RadioInfluence.com. All righty, what's happening? How are you doing? How you do? How you doing? How you make? How you making it? How you making it? Are you hanging in there? Are you just barely getting by? Are you just thriving? There are some that are thriving. I would, if you're thriving, can you like go on my social media and direct message me and tell me your secret? <laughs> How are you doing it in this crazy world of protocols? The reason why I'm just bringing that up is I was just at uh, the Buccaneers game with whatever 60,000 fans and being all around and just, you know, dealing with this and that. And you can't go here. Oh, we ran out of armbands for this. You you, we, you have to get your bags checked over here. Oh, you've got to go to will call to get your credential. Oh, you're behind three people and this guy up front there's a problem and he's getting 12 credentials for his whole crew and then they got a call and then this and that and this and that and this and that and i'm just like oh my god but i'm healthy that's the number one thing and i hope you are too and if you're not i uh i will send right now my prayers vibes through the airwaves here through the car through your headphones and 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 i'm i'm let's 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 help man let's let's get you better all right that's best that i can do but it it is just a crazy time it it really is um but anyway i will uh, get into playoff coverage and baseball the baseball playoffs going on hockey has now started this week the nhl and uh, whatever it might be pop warner it's high school whatever whatever you're doing if you're just bowling if you're out playing golf again do something because you can just get caught up on the phone. I don't know about you. I can just spend time and just start getting on there and boom and boom and seeing this. Or, oh, God, you don't want to get in the YouTube uh, hole because you go from one to the next to the next. And you're watching videos and videos and videos. And all I'm doing is sitting on the phone. I'm like, can I get, put it down. Get a good, get, let's get out of here. You know? So anyway. All right. Here's what we thank you for listening to the Rock Stops here. And. What I got for you today, very interesting. He is a reporter. He is a host. He owns his company, even more than one company. He's also a single dad. Uh, and he's, th- he, you know what? Here's a guy that's thriving. This guy, Mike Neighbors. That's who my guest is. Mike Neighbors is thriving. I should have asked him his secret. Well, I went to his house and he has, he's building, he's putting together his man cave and it is awesome. We kick back kind of like the recliner, he in a recliner. I was on a couch. I think that was a recliner and it's, it's a damn man cave. I, I envy, I, I'm, I wish I had a man cave. I should, I wish I had a man cave, but anyway, he's in a, He's got a man cave and for years Oh my God, way over a decade. He is the New Orleans Saints uh, TV reporter, covers the Saints, travels with the Saints uh, in the dome when they're home. He's there every single game and he's done it for years and years and years and years. And he always interviews Drew Brees after every single game. Now Drew Brees is gone. Drew Brees is in the broadcast booth, but he is so much more than that. Actually, when we were sitting down, doing the interview and I've known him for a long time. I consider him a friend. He's a good guy. 
And I knew that he worked for a regional sports network. I know he worked for a TV station uh, as the main sports anchor. And he always did features. And he loves doing features. He's a good writer. He loves writing. He's got the neighborhood blog that he does on his social media. I know he's a big baseball fan. He's worked for MLB.com as a baseball reporter. And then I actually forgot that he was a rinkside reporter for the NHL Tampa Bay Lightning. And he traveled with the team. I forgot about that. And then and then he did his own thing. He did his own, He started his own business. And he's got a production crew, a shoot, a videographer, and an editor, and... He does videos, and he's just doing it, man. He's just doing it. And he's got some great, great stories and some behind-the-scenes stuff, too. All right? So without further ado, my man in his man cave, Mike Neighbors. All righty, a man of many hats, very, very, very successful Mike Neighbors, Neighbors Media Group. Uh, Cox TV, good 16 years covering the New Orleans Saints, a busy man. He lives in Tampa Bay, yet he covers the Saints like a glove. How are you doing, Mike Neighbors? I'm great. You know, I got to say this. For people who listen to this podcast, there's not a more genuine guy than you in the media. So you've been always great to me. I've enjoyed our friendship a great deal. So this is great. I said I can't wait to get the guy that talked to Drew Brees so many times. How many? Let's let's just let's start there and then we'll get into your career. You know, I've always had bosses that would tell me, program directors, you go with the hits. Not only just the music, you go with the top thing. You covering the Saints post game would interview Drew Brees. Was it after every game, Mike? Mm -hmm. We did it for 15 years, and we did it after every game, and we did one in-studio session, and we did it last year via Zoom, and we did it when he was hurt last year from his home. He popped up one time. He was in his kitchen, and this is how he is. He's like Brady, the perfectionist. I said, so this is it. We're going to do it in the kitchen? Oh, this isn't good enough? So he moves into his living room, and then his wife's in the background keeping the kids down, and at the end of the interview, his dog jumps in his lap. It was like it was choreographed. Yeah, it was a great run. And I haven't told many people this, but I just finished a book on Drew Brees called The Brees Way. We're in the editing process now, figuring out when we're going to release it. But it were, it's a compilation of all the interviews I did. And that was just going to be it. But now I have Doug Flutie right in the foreword, and we have a lot of input from his teammates. So I'm real excited about it. That is Awesome. Does Breeze know about yeah. it? Or he does. He signed off that I could use all the interviews we did and he approved it. And, uh, you know, I, it's great to have his approval in this process. And I tell you what made it was getting Flutie, though, because Flutie, he lives in Melbourne, Florida, near us. And he plays in this adult baseball league. I knew that he, he'd he been doing that for years. Yeah, I know yeah. that because I played in yeah. the leagues and the guys would play again. I know he loved that. Yeah. And, he, and he's on the band, too, or something. Yeah, he plays. And I went and saw his band on the 4th. Uh, and spend a little time with him. He also plays in a, an adult hockey league there. But you know what's crazy, Rock, is you know you get contacts in this business. I had his agent. She never got back to me. I had a friend of a friend find Flutie for me. Flutie and I start texting. And he said, listen, come see me. I have a, a baseball game. We can talk before the game. And then if you don't get enough, we'll talk between innings. And selfishly, I go over there. 
We talk before the game. A monsoon comes down. The game is canceled. We sit in a dugout for about an hour talking about Breeze. It, oh, was, it was crazy. It was great. I love Flutie. Love Flutie. Oh, yeah. And Breeze as well. And one other thing. Wasn't it funny? Like, Breeze now gets his gig in TV. Yeah. And uh, I remember when the opening game against the Cowboys with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Ray J, that was the Sunday night crew. And he was on set on the field with Dungy. And it was really far away with the press box. And I'm looking down. And Brady, pregame, came over. And he hugged Breeze on the field. They talked for a minute, got back. And I thought to myself, wow, Drew Breeze is like not that old. He's sitting on the field in a suit. And I'm wondering if he was thinking like, wow, I wish I was still playing. What do you, you know what I mean? Well, Breeze said that Brady came up to him and he said, last time we were together on this field, you were kicking my ass. Oh. And then Breeze looked at him and said, well, I'm the guy doing TV and you're still playing <laughs> at this point. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So how, when did you know that you wanted to be, was it a sports anchor was it a sports reporter? Some guys always want to do play-by-play, and they end up being a host and things. When did, when did you know, Mike? At a very early age. I mean, if you talk to people I went to high school with, you know, I was a swimmer in high school. I don't know. I wasn't an elite athlete or anything, but I was a pretty good swimmer. But I knew I was never going to get to the Olympics or to be a pro athlete. And then I think when I was in fourth grade, believe it or not, Rock, it was about that point, I found out that you could get paid to do this. I'm in. Let's do it. So I didn't know how I would get in, but I, I interned and, uh, you know, went to the University of Florida and was the main anchor at the college station. And then uh, I love telling this story. The first tape I sent out after I graduated from the University of Florida, Nagadoches, Texas. I'll never forget the guy, Kyle Langley, wherever you are right now. Maybe you're listening to Rock's podcast. He called me. He said, we, we really like your tape. We're going to fly you out here. And that was in the day when they would send you or mail you a plane ticket. Had the plane ticket. I couldn't believe it. First tape. I heard all the horror stories. A week later, they Kyle Langley calls me and he says, uh, hey, I want to hire you, but they say you look too young. So we're going to find somebody else. The crazy thing about this, though, fast forward about 20 years later, I'm covering the Orlando Magic for Fox Sportsnet when I used to work for them. <laughs> and it's in Milwaukee. And a lot of us go out after the game, the Milwaukee media, and we're all swapping stories, how we got in the business. I met the guy who got the Nagadoches job. <laughs> and, he, and we're still friends to this day. Wish each other happy Nagadoches Day when it's our birthday. I mean, it's, it was a great, I st- I'm still friends with him. Yeah. <laughs> what are the chances of that? Absolutely. You know, I mean, you're even bringing up a couple of things that I even forgot that you, you worked at. All right, so, you're, so what happened then? Okay, so you didn't get that job. Did it take a long time like it did for most of us to get the first gig or what happened? I'm glad you asked me that. I, it took a while. I was looked very young and I still believed that I could do it. And I had a great uh, support system at home. My dad really believed in me and wanted me to do it. And so I interned for the St. Louis Cardinals in spring training. And that's when Joe Torre was the manager before all the Yankee glory and all of that. Yes. And I didn't want to do it because I want to make money. It was a free, you know, I I wasn't going to get paid. And my uncle lived in Tampa. I drove down here, stayed with him the whole spring training, worked every day. They trained in St. Pete. The Outlang Stadium back then. Yes, and they had what was now in the Moly Complex and all that right behind. Yeah, I remember that. Okay, so go ahead. But this was great. The St. Louis Cardinals had a March Madness pool. And a lot of them would fill out brackets. And, you know, these players make a lot of money. They would fill out like 10 brackets. And I was this lowly intern. And I fill out one bracket 
and it came down between Tory and I to win it. And Tory won because Georgia Tech hit a buzzer beater or I would have won the whole thing. But I still got second. So I won- it made up for me not getting paid the whole time. And it paid for that. Um, they had me up to St. Louis and I worked there for a little while. And I thought at that point, you know, I still want to do TV, but this could be an outlet for me. Right. And so at that point, I thought, you know what? The Cardinals aren't going to hire me. I can't get a job. And my dad inspired me to do this. I dubbed off about 40 tapes and I had my Cardinals connections that summer Mm -hmm. and I drove around the country. I started in Tallahassee and I went, I did a triangle around the country. I drove to Minneapolis. I drove to Midland, Texas, where a buddy of mine was. If you could picture it, Tallahassee, Minneapolis, Midland, Texas. But I would stop along the way. I worked the series in Wrigley with the Cardinals. I had a guy in Topeka, Kansas told me I had a speech impediment. I had all kinds of stories along the way. Cedar Rapids, Iowa. But my second stop on that trip was Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And they end up hiring me. And I end up being the number three guy. And I made $12,000. And then I got promoted to the weekends. A year later, I made $15,000, but then I got hired locally to be the morning radio guy and I was making $30,000. I felt like I was a millionaire in Tuscaloosa. Oh, so that I, was the I path to that. get there. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Okay. So now you're in Tuscaloosa, you're yeah. doing radio, you're getting paid decent. What was next though? Were you still wanting to do TV? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, okay. It was great, Tuscaloosa. I could have ended up in Cedar Rapids. I could have ended up in, in a lot of places. Nothing wrong with Cedar Rapids, sure, by the way. Sure, but I sure. was hungry enough to go anywhere. And when I got the job in Tuscaloosa, they had a decent Alabama team the year before. Uh-huh. But my first year in Tuscaloosa, they won the national title. I don't see them lose for about a year and a half. And I'll say this, Gene Stallings was the head coach, one of my favorite men that I've ever covered. He would invite us into his office we would. Re- it was different back then. It was pre-social media. You had relationships with players. You had relationships with coaches. And he liked the local guys, too. And he trusted us. Not that we were homers. Yeah, yeah. He knew we were fair. And he knew that we cared. Wow. And uh, so I worked there two and a half years, and it was great. Uh, then I got a job in Tallahassee. I didn't enjoy Tallahassee, but I love Bobby Bowden. Bobby Bowden, I could tell you a million stories, but I mean, his name was in the phone book. You could call him. I'd go over there on Thanksgiving one year and Terry Bowden was the head coach of Auburn. I would call him. Can I come over? Yeah, come on over. I would interview him, do a story. He was tremendous. But I was at the point then where I wanted to make more money. I wanted to move up the ladder. Right. Then I went to Jacksonville and that was a big break for me. Yes. And I worked there locally for two and a half years. But my biggest break was I got a job. They had a brand new regional network in Florida. Uh, Fox Sportsnet and Sage Steele, who works for ESPN. She was in Tampa. Joe Zagaki, who's the voice of Miami. He was the Miami guy. I was the Jacksonville guy. To this day, it was the best job I ever had because I like reporting more than anchoring. I've always liked doing creative stuff. you do. And I could run with it then. And we covered the Daytona 500. It was when Earnhardt, unfortunately, had uh, his fatal... Oh, that, that cost yes, him his life. Yes, and, you're giving me goosebumps, man. Yeah, we covered Ooh. the Jaguars. We covered uh, the Gators and the Knowles. It was busy. But uh, then when Sage left and she yeah. went to Baltimore, right. I replaced her. And ah, so, ah, so then you were down in Tampa. Yeah. And then eventually that, it wasn't you, but it yeah. just went bye-bye, that, yeah. that regional coverage. But you landed on your feet in Tampa Bay. It was crazy. I, I remember, I always give you credit for this. When we were all laid off at 
Fox Sportsnet. You had me on your Sports Connection show the next day, and you didn't control this, but I'll always remember. I wish I have a co- had a copy of this. They supered me. For those who don't know, when they put your name on the screen, it said Mike Neighbors, former sports reporter, like my career was was over. Oh no, maybe Elias <laughs> did that or something. It had to be Chris Elias. No, and you actually saw that. No, oh, it was great. Oh, it was oh, great. Oh. But the funny thing is, I replaced Sage Steele, and then um, I get the Lightning job, and I was the host for the Tampa Bay Lightning on Sun Sports back then when they called it Sun Sports before Bally. And I replaced Aaron Andrews then. So I'm the last guy they want to see. I remember I, I walked to media day and I met Bobby the Chief Taylor and he looked at me. He's like, oh, this is what we get basically. <laughs> that was an experience though. Was that not? A, here you are, a Florida kid, yeah. and now you're doing hockey mm-hmm. and you're traveling. You traveled. You were the yeah. ringside reporter. What was the experience like? You was under John Tortorella. Was uh, it not Torts as the head coach? Was, Torts was tough, but he was great. And you always knew where you stood with him. You always did. And, and my favorite Torts story, I remember we were in Long Island one time and I got on the elevator and his daughter was a real good high school soccer player. And I said, Torts, how you doing? He looked at me and smiles. And I said, I saw the picture of your daughter. She kind of looks like her old man. And he's like, oh, that's not where the similarities end. <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. I mean, as you know, and people who cover sports, hockey players are the best. Always the, have been the, and still are to this day. And I think a part of it is um, their humble beginnings. They were not, yeah. not five-star guys. A lot of them are appreciative just to be where they are. And I mean, you know, a lot of things I do with my current company, we can talk about, but we did a, uh, you know, my company now, we work with a lot of nonprofits and we did a public service announcement for the Humane Society, work with Victor Hedman. Victor Hedman's, you know, one of the biggest stars in the NFL. You can't NHL. tell. You can't tell being around him. And back then it was Le Cavier and it was Anderchuk and it was St. Louis and Hobby Bullen and, and all. I mean, it was a great time to be with that team. And I'd seen one NHL game in my life before I'm all of a sudden hosting these half hour That's pregame shows. That's but it, it was it was great experience for me because frankly, I think my advice to a lot of people, whether it's TV or anything, is do something in life you're scared of. I remember that first game in Sunrise were about to go on. I was scared. I'm like, am I going to be able to do this? And it was great. And it was a great experience. And if the lockout hadn't hit, I don't know what, I may still be there. I mean, it's, I had to take a new job. I had, you know. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah. Because I yeah. remember at that time, this is now the lightning now, one back to back. But at that time, they were set to repeat. And then they had the lockout. I remember Jay Feaster, who's the general manager, like, damn, we never really got the shot. So what happened to you? They had the lockout. You were out of work. And it, then we'd heard rumblings that it was coming. OK. And the local uh, WB 38 came to me and offered me a, a good job to be sports director and a main anchor. And it was obviously here in Tampa. Sure. And the lockout, you heard about it may come. And and I could have stayed. But I thought, you know what? You know, I've done the lightning. This could broaden my resume even more. And so I took that job and we end up going under after two years because WB, you know, had some issues too. So frankly, I was laid off three times in four years in Tampa and I was laid off, you know, twice during that run when I had my girls who were now 16 and 19 were born. So it's kind of amazing. I'm still in this business. It really is. Now you also, you kind of transitioned. I don't know if you saw writing on the wall or whatever, but you know, these job opportunities in TV are so limited, so limited. So you ended up doing your own thing. How did that, you know, how did that come about, man? You know, when I got laid off at WB38, 
I did some real soul searching. I, you know, I thought, you know, I really love this and I know I can do it. And I just thought, you know, my kids are really young, you know, is this going to be viable for me? Right. So, um, right when I was laid off, I had some freelance opportunities. People offered me, you know, to, I travel with the Florida Gators in the NCAA tournament. It's funny. I had a network reach out to me and they said, you're going to cover the Gators and the LSU Tigers. And that's when the Gators, it was before they had the back-to-back, it was the SEC tournament right when they were making that run. And when you're a freelancer, it's almost like you're a professional gambler because you get paid per game. If they win, you continue. If they lose, you're done. Right. So I covered the Gators and LSU and they both make the final four. And I'm going Minneapolis, Atlanta, all over the country following both of them. And the network really liked what I did for them, but I still didn't trust the business. I started still picking up more freelance. And then I took a marketing job and and Rock, the day I accepted the marketing job, because I was thinking, you know what? I don't know if this is viable. Right. The same network, Cox Sports Television, that I work for now, had received rights to the New Orleans Saints. And because of the work I did in the NCAA tournament, they said, we want to give this to you. You will be our sideline reporter in the preseason. And you could do the pregame and postgame during the regular season. And I didn't even know if I wanted wanted to take it because I didn't trust the business. But I took it and I kept the marketing job and I did both for about nine months of football season. And during that time, I gathered more and more freelance and more opportunities, left the marketing job. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this for a couple of years. And here we are. This is my 16th season. 16 years and yeah. living in the Tampa yes. Bay area. Yes. And I'm sure over time, yeah. did they say, hey, man, why don't you, well, you just live here? You didn't want to, you didn't want to give up this area. You love where you live and raising your daughters here. And I, and I love the people in New Orleans. I, okay. I, I love the people that I work for. They're the best people that I've ever worked for. And they nice. used to run Fox Sportsnet and that's how they reached out to me. But I love Tampa. And I always, you know, I grew up in Florida, in Titusville, Florida on the East Coast. My, right. my folks are from here. And I always thought Tampa is the place I want to end up. That was wow. always my goal throughout the crazy trip around the country, uh, Tallahassee, Jacksonville. I want to end up in Tampa. And I was here and I didn't want to leave. I mean, people who live here know. I think this is the best part of Florida. It's one of the best places to live in the country. And it's gotten even better, obviously, with Champa Bay and the downtown and the river walk. I mean, it's just a great place to live. It really is. It, it's it's amazing. Have you been downtown in the Channel oh, Side area lately? Oh, my and God. And it's the changes the last even two years. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. How about any stories come to mind off the top of your head? You must have so many, whether it's big events that you covered. I've also talked to some guys say, sometimes you'd be surprised, like covering the Super Bowl. It's not, a, it's not what you think, or they might have a, is there anything that stands out uh, good or embarrassing or bad? How about some stories, Mike? I'm sure you got some. This is luck to me, but I've always been around teams that have won. It's crazy. Alabama, they won a national title. I go to Tallahassee. Florida State is dominant in the 90s. I go to Jacksonville with Mark Brunell and Fred Taylor and Tom Coughlin. They're close to going to the Super Bowl. I come here. The Lightning all of a sudden turn it around. Chucky wins the Super Bowl. Then I go to the New Orleans Saints, who are just (laughs) god-awful for decades. Sean Payton comes in. They draft Reggie Bush. Drew Brees doesn't pass his physical in Miami. And all of a sudden, you have a winner. But my story is, I mean, A, I've been fortunate covering winners. But when the New Orleans Saints beat the Minnesota Vikings in 2009 in the NFC Championship game to go to their first Super Bowl, I do all the post-game shows. So 
I'm standing outside the locker room and you know there's a cooling down period where you can't talk to players for about 15 minutes so right. you have to dance a little bit and try to grab a guest maybe it's a media member but on this day this is the best moment of my career Jimmy Buffett walks up because he's friends with Sean Payton he's holding a margarita and that would have been enough and I said Jimmy can I can I get you he looked at me he said hell yeah let's do it so I said, I'm a big fan of yours. So I'm going to take the margarita. I'm going to place it on this monitor. He goes, whatever you got to do, man. And they bring up a newspaper, Saints going to the Super Bowl. And I said, I'm here with Jimmy Buffett. And, you know, we just start talking. It was great. And that would have been enough. Sean Payton's good friends with Jimmy Buffett. He's good friends with Kenny Chesney, a lot of these singers that he enjoys. And he has this big tent outside the Saints locker room where you never know who's going to walk out. I remember the no call a few years ago against the Rams. Yeah. Vince Vaughn walks out and walks up to me. He says, boy, that was a tough post game, huh? And we just start talking about his movies. But Sean Payton, Brett Favre one time was in that tent. I mean, you never know who's coming out. But halfway through the Jimmy Buffett interview, Sean Payton comes up, brings up the NFC trophy, NFC championship trophy, and kisses Buffett and joins us. It was... It was unbelievable. It was magical live television. And he stayed with us. Then he left. Then I, I hung around with Buffett a little more. And I said, you know what? You're from Miami. The Saints are going to the Super Bowl in Miami. The Who is playing at halftime. I think you should play at halftime. He's like, why would I want to do that? I want to go down there and party. <laughs> so it was fantastic. Isn't it was that when you have moments like that, isn't it that you're in bed at night where you, you're just like, Oh my God, man. Right. Oh, it's, it's why you do this because I, I enjoy relationships in this business. I, I could care less about being on television. I like the relationships we've had in the media, you know, just, just the two of us and people that we've known for years and you get it with coaches, you get it with players and I, I'm just a relationship person. And I, I like the stories that you can ask athletes or coaches because you know what, they have a lot of, a lot of things inside them that they don't really find interesting, but they're very interesting because maybe they're stories they've told their family for years or something. But I think that's the challenge of reporting is to find something that nobody's ever heard from a coach or a player or anybody really that you're trying to do a story. on, Right. And it's hard to get one-on-ones unless you have like your situation with, you know, post game, but otherwise the media, they're not going to trust every single person. They want to get out of there. They want to be careful what they say. So you're right. You also have this series, YouTube, the errands where you would take around athletes, coaches, and do errands. And it started out like here and it's turned out the saints love this. Don't they Mike? Yeah. You know, I started a production company 10 years ago and we were doing documentaries. I did a documentary on Frank Beamer and Reggie Bush and it allowed me to buy gear and really start it. And then that grew into nonprofits and we ended up representing over 50 nonprofits in the Tampa Bay area. But I think a key in really our business and any business is you see trends and more and more with technology, these nonprofits were having people in-house. They were able to do things we were. I don't think to the same quality, but I, I saw we needed to make a pivot in my company. We still had the nonprofits, but not as many as we used to. Mm -hmm. So I thought of this concept back to getting to know people and having relationships, errands, where we would run errands with sports personalities. We would ask them, give us two or three errands and let's run errands with you. Um, I'll be honest with you. I called Bobby Bowden first and he agreed to it. 
And at the last moment, he backed out. I think some family members were concerned how he would be portrayed. He thought it was silly. Mm -hmm. I will never be upset with Bobby Bowden because he was so fantastic to deal with. Uh, But it never worked. And uh, we actually sold it. And I told my guys, I'm never cashing this check until we get Bobby Bowden in the car. uh, But it didn't work out. But Bobby Bowden, I I called him after we got Dick Vitale because Dick Vitale was the next one. And I remember calling 10 car dealerships in Sarasota to sponsor it. One got back to me. I'm not a huge car guy. Mm-hmm. And it was Mercedes. So we ended up driving a G-Wagon with Dick Vitale for three hours. And he is the best. Anybody who encounters Dick Vitale knows that. So I went back to Bobby Bowden. I've never told anybody this publicly, but Bowden's like, that sounds good, buddy. But I tell you what, if you get Spurrier to do it, I'll do it. <laughs> So the concept was good. We were kind of off and running a little bit and the saints saw it and they signed me to, it was almost like an athlete deal. It was a, a two year deal with a one year option, basically a prove it deal. We'll, we'll see how this works for a year. And so we did it for a year and they loved it. They re-upped us. And then the pandemic hits. And I will, I will say this just like I love Dick Vitale and appreciate him. I appreciate Archie Manning because he did it during the pandemic. We wore masks in the car. We drove around New Orleans for three hours. My photographer said, I think he agreed to it because he wanted to get out of the house. He <laughs> 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 was great. I mean, the Manning family is unbelievable. And uh, so we made it work and they just re-upped us for two more years and we're talking to other teams and other entities. I think if COVID hadn't happened, and I know people listening, it yeah. applies to all of us. Sure. We'd be in a different spot a lot in a lot of ways in our business. But I think in terms of the Aaron's concept, we had talked to other networks about this. I think we'd be further along, but I'm really optimistic about it. We just did one with Jim Mora, of course, with all the post-game explosions, and he had no problem talking about any of it. That's awesome. And he didn't do playoffs, playoffs in New Orleans. He did it in Indy. Yes. So the intro, he's, he said, what is this, Aaron's? Aaron's? So that's the next one we have. We're really excited about it. Yeah, he was great. He was fantastic. E-R-R-A-N-D-S, right. just like you're doing Aaron's. Right. Speaking of the Mannings, with this Manning cast, here we are in a football season. Their ratings from the first week to the second week went up 134%. And it, it I'm talking A-listers want to do it. Oh, yeah. Is, is, do they not do, they they can do no wrong, the Mannings. And then there's another Manning, Cooper's son, he's coming up. What is it with the Manning family? I'm sure you know the Mannings. Yeah, I, when I did Sideline for the Saints, and I did it for many years, Archie Manning for the first year was the color analyst. And the only reason he left was because the next year, the Saints were going to open with Indianapolis. So he didn't want a conflict of interest because he's very close to his family. But the great thing about Archie Manning is when you're around him, and there's some people like this in this world, you don't feel like he's Archie Manning. He's just a guy who wants to hang out and he wants to listen I love to what, that. what you're about too. And that's why you can tell he's such a great father. And, you know, Archie Manning's father committed suicide. He never got to know his father. Oh. And the ironic thing about that is his father was a big New York Giants fan. And so Eli ends up being a legend with the New York Giants. And he obviously had Peyton's career. But Cooper, the oldest one, to me, it it's just shows how special this family is, could never play football at Ole Miss because he had a spinal injury. And so now he has a son 
that is maybe the hottest prospect in the country in terms of high school quarterbacks. So you have the one son who never could play in the NFL, but has a son who may play in the NFL one day. So, I mean, you talk to Archie, he's, he gives you great stories. He's a huge New York Yankees fan. He loves baseball. He recommended a Yogi Berra book to me when we did errands with him. And really? I mean, he just, it's story after story, but there's no ego there. And, um, you know, I asked him about Arch and I said, you know, is it mean something? that he's named after you. And he said he made it a point when he had kids that he would never name any of them Archie because he didn't want to put that kind of pressure on them. He wanted all of them to have their own identity. But he says, I don't call Arch, Arch. I call him a lot of names. And I said, what do you call him? Well, my favorite's Kramer because all the Mannings love Seinfeld. So Arch Manning has this crazy hair. And so he says he looks like Kramer. So you can just tell they, they love, I mean, I saw the most recent one you know, because they're taking a break, I guess, for for a few weeks. But they had Archie on with Peyton and Eli, and you. Could, I mean, oh, there's yeah, no yeah. there's no filter there. They're they're down to earth, and I, you know, Peyton Manning. I have so much respect for what he has done, not only as a player, but the the businessman that he is, and he can go on Saturday Night Live and make fun of himself. And yes. and you know, I asked Archie about. it. I said, you know, where does this come from? Obviously, you had athletic ability, but where does this sense of humor? Where does this personality come from? And he said, you know, I really, he goes, I'm, he goes, I'm not boring or anything, but you know, I thought when we had Cooper, he was the first one. He's the funniest son. He said, I thought we were going to have three Don Rickles. I didn't know what it was, <laughs> but I mean, it's just, it's a special family. And yeah. if you talk to Archie and ask him, would you have ever imagined having sons like this? Never in his wildest dreams. Never. Wow. wow. All right. We're, we're in the fourth quarter here. We're in the two minute. <laughs> You also now, so many things you did, you went and got your master's degree. Why? And are you now in the teaching profession, my man? I am. I went and got my master's degree at USF and I bolted through it and I did a thesis for my final exam, took part of my soul out of me, Rock, but it was good for me. I like to write a a great deal and uh, it prepared me for this Breeze book really well. But the only reason I went back to get the master's was I want to teach. And I've always wanted to teach, but I didn't want to teach until I had the experience to help students and to pass things on. And I had talked to some local schools about teaching a communications class. And then a friend of a friend heard that I wanted to teach. So Florida Southern College reached out to me. And it's not their communication school, it's their business school. And their dean, uh, Dean Weber, reached out to me and he said, "Uh, I want to meet with you. And we talked for about an hour and a half. And at the end of the interview, he said, I want to give you a course. And it's called Sports Innovation and Entrepreneurship because he knows I started a company. He knows I've been in the business. And he said, I'm going to let you run with it. And uh, what I want to give the students is hope because there's so much negativity about our business right now. But I tell you, with social media and with YouTube and all the platforms, you can actually rise faster than we could when we came out of college. And so the Bucks COO, Brian Ford, is going to be my first guest speaker. We have raised representatives. I have uh, representatives from the University of India, Indiana University. So we've already filled out our guest speaker list for a course that starts in October. It's a mini semester, but I'm hoping this will become a template around the country to give students different areas of the business that they can latch on to. And the first thing I want to do when they walk in class is I want to play 80s music every time just to loosen it up because we're going we're gonna to be together three hours, Rock. we got to loosen this up, right? And I love 80s music. That's awesome. I'm going to play Lover Boys Working 
for the weekend. That's awesome. And the reason I'm playing that is because a lot of people either hate their jobs or they're not passionate about their jobs. High percentage. Yes. And they're working for the weekend. That I want them to awesome. not work for the weekend once they've been exposed to my class and see all the options. Oh man, you I mean you you you're something else. You are something else. And 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 in closing, what I know that gives you probably your most joy is being a dad. Yeah. You made it through a divorce. I've been through a divorce. When you got kids, it ain't easy. But you're a proud dad, are you not? Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, always wanted to be a dad. Didn't care if I had a boy or a girl. And when I had my first daughter, I thought, man, I could have five of these. This is fun having daughters. <laughs> but I love them. They're they're great girls. They're very smart, and they they work hard. They both have jobs, and they they like what they do. Uh, they're nineteen and sixteen. I was going to say, I'm yeah. thinking of them. You yeah. know, when they're they're, they're they're younger. Oh my god, man. Oh my god. Yeah, but it's it's the best. And and you know, being a parent, you know, we talk about Archie Manning, and and you see role models. My father. And my mother were were the best, and they're no longer with us now. But I'll say this about my parents. There's no excuse for me to not succeed in my life because I had the best parents. And whether it's my career or being a parent, I'm not perfect by any means, but I always think of them. My mom left us about uh, 12 years ago, 11 years ago, and my dad left us about three years ago. And I I tell you, I'm, I'm inspired by that. I'm inspired. You see, I, I think people can identify this. When you lose a parent, you see traces of them in life, whether it's, uh, I don't know, something that happens to you or when I go out on my run and I see these flowers that come up every now and then. I don't see them all year round. I see them once in a while. So they inspire me quite a bit and, and motivate me every day. You're the man. Thank you so much, buddy. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I appreciate that. He's a really, he's a good dad too. He's, he's you know, oh my God, he just... I thank you. I thank you, thank you, thank you, Mike. I want to be you when I grow up. So, no, he's done it on his own. That That's what I appreciate. Like, it's hard to get jobs. I was sitting next to a girl that's new in the business in the press box the other day. And she actually is a lawyer and a successful lawyer, yet she wants to do sports reporting full time. She would like to do that. And I'm like... Uh, uh, do I really? Am I that get off my lawn old crotchety guy that rips into this business? And I tried not to do that. I just said, oh, it's kind of hard, you know. She says, mostly I see it's transition to digital. Digital. I said, it is digital. But the problem is to to uh, monetize that, you know, to make money. I don't the ads and things just haven't caught up to what it used to be like in TV for TV commercials or even radio for that matter. But I didn't discourage at all. But I, it was almost like don't quit your job as a lawyer, a successful lawyer. Yet, you know, she loves just covering the team and being. She's a football fan. She plays flag football. Loves football. Football and wow, I like to do. I want to do this for a living. <laughs> Uh, compared to being a lawyer, I said, I understand. I understand. Well, you know, you, they are. The trend is if you're a female, if you're young and nice and uh, and especially and if you are also attractive and you're a female, you got a shot. Let's let's call it like it is. Uh, but anyway, interesting here. The, the, you know, I, it's so different now. And I, I I'm not. I'm not complaining. It's just that I've got to give myself a little bit more time. Let me give you an example. 
I have been covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a long time. I'm down here about 20 years, 20 some years. I, I, don't, I don't know. It all blends in. A long ass time. And I was here during the run when the Buccaneers first won a Super Bowl. And when they had the Keyshawn Johnson and they had Sapp and Brooks and Lynch and Barber and all these big names and they all had their own radio shows and the whole thing was thriving and there was the big season ticket waiting list. Well, guess what? Oh my God. Since the goat is here, since they're Super Bowl champs, it's the little things. Now what I'm trying to do is I try now, I used to always get to these NFL games like an hour or so, give or take before kickoff. Well, I bring my gear with me. And if I run into somebody that I know that's big time, maybe I can get him for a couple of minutes for this podcast or my other podcast, Bucks Kickoff, 24 hours before every Buccaneer kickoff. That's on JoeBucksFan.com uh, and in other podcast platforms. But, you know, maybe I'll see somebody and, and that's happened, you know. A lot of times I've done it on my phone because, you know, you're, you're seeing somebody in passing and like, hey, excuse me, how you doing? Yeah, I'm Rock Ryan from Tampa, blah, blah, blah. If it's somebody that I really don't know, but it's a, a NA lister and I'm, hey, hey, three quick ones, man, boom. And it's usually on my phone. The quality is not as good as this, though. That's the thing. But I'm not going to be walking around the press box in a game that I'm covering with my headphones and a Zoom recorder and a microphone and trying to be stopping people <laughs> word will get around fast don't go near that guy see that guy yeah with the hair that guy stay away from him or you know you don't want to take your credential man so i try to be real casual about it but the thing is i figured all right you know what i gotta go two hours before two hours before but if it's anybody in the media like okay for example last week the Buccaneers uh, Miami Dolphins game was on CBS. Jim Nance was here. Tony Romo was here. Tracy Wolfson was the sideline reporter. But I was that morning or the night before. I'm like, you know what? Oh my God! If I could get Ro- Tony Romo for my podcast just for a couple of questions, quick, or Jim Nance, you know. And I'm like, all right. And I realize you got to go way before an hour before. Because these big time broadcasters, they're usually getting in the booth, they're getting set, there might be a pregame show or they got to tape the open, things like that. That's going to, that whole thing is like an hour before or close. So I got to go two hours before. So I left my house. Now I've been going to these Buccaneer games for the last 20 some years and especially these last eight years, except last year. I think I was able to go to one and with the COVID so heavy that I wasn't even in. And so, you know, prior to Brady, I could go an hour before and have no problem getting to the stadium. But now, since all these fans have jumped on that Buccaneers bandwagon and there's so many of them, I figured ah, I'll give myself two hours. So I'll leave about two hours and 20 minutes, be two hours and 15 minutes uh, from my house, 20 minutes, about 20, 25 minutes, nah, 20 minutes. I give myself 20 minutes and I'll get there two hours before I get down this road. It's what's called near International Mall and it starts backing up and then it's like, whoa, whoa. And it stopped. I'm like, it's two hours before the game. Where'd all these fans come from? 
they're not a lot of Miami Dolphins fans. There were some. There were some, God love them, as bad as the team is, but not many. Not like the Cowboys. Boy, the Cowboys travel well. Holy crap. I was amazed at how many Cowboys fans there were for that opening night game in the NFL. I was blown away. But I just realized like, oh, oh, oh. And then you're on Tail Mabry and then it stopped. It's like at a standstill to go in. And then, oh, you're wild down there on parking lot seven now. Yeah, but I mean, no, you're way down there. Oh, okay. Then you get down there. Then, oh, you got to get your bags checked before you get into the stadium. I go over there. Oh, we ran out of armbands. Well, now you got to get it checked in there. Okay, your will call window is over here. Every game, you got to go to the will call. I'm not complaining. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm very, very, very fortunate to be doing what I'm doing and I don't take it for granted, but I'm just, I'm, I'm just telling you like life has changed. You got to give yourself extra time. You can't just be rushing anymore to get to like, see where an appointment to get there because there's protocols office visits. Everything is different. It takes longer. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. So boom. And then I get to the window and I'm like three, four deep because you used to get like a season credential that you're good for the season. You don't have to stop and wait online to get one every day. Now, every game, every game, nobody, every day at practice, I have to uh, apply to see if I'm approved to come in. Then you got to get your COVID test. I'm just saying it's different. And I was waiting online and I, I swear the guy, two guys ahead of me, the guy must have been getting like 12 credentials. It was taking quite a bit of time. And then, okay, now I'm going to go over to this place. Now I get my bag checked over here. Boom, boom, boom. Then I get in. Boom, boom, boom. So by the time I get in, <laughs> it ain't two hours anymore. You know, that that cut out and I'm not seeing Romo and I ain't seeing Nance and I'm not getting anybody. And so it's just it's just a different time. But in the end, I'm happy to be there. And oh my God, the fans loving to tailgate. And that's the other thing. I'm coming out of the, now I wait, go downstairs and do interviews. You do interviews, you wait, they bring you all down at the same time. Like it used to be, used to go into a locker room and then you would interview everybody. So you're waiting, waiting, waiting. They finally open it up. Boom, boom, boom. You sit in a room and there's a a podium and you're sitting a distance away. You're never close to these players. And you do the interview. You know, the coach comes out and then blah, blah, blah. The stars come out. And when a team wins, they usually bring out more players because they're happy. When a team's losing, you're not going to get as many. It's just how it goes. All right, so you're waiting, waiting, Brady, this and that, blah, blah, blah. Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown is hugging Brady. Lenny, Lens Leonard Fournette, he's a character. He's, he's. They're, they're going back and forth to Shaq Barrett and what they're wearing and all this stuff, Miami Vice look, and, you know, a lot of fun. But so I, I walk out of there and I say, okay, am I going to go back up to the press box and, and file my report or will I do it when I get home? You know what, man? I just got to do it when I get home because you never know uh, the Wi-Fi. And I go out. Now, this is like 50 minutes after the game is over. And I walk out and I see the line of cars just to get out, backed up all the way as far as the eye can see. And I'm like, what are these fans doing? Are, do they not want to go home? No. 
you know what? I'm going to go back inside the stadium. I go back in the stadium. I go back in the stadium with my gear. Go, I'm going. Boom. What are everybody waiting here? Oh, the elevator's broken. Oh, press pause. This elevator's broken to get back up there. Again, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying there's a lot of extra time involved in what you, goes on anymore. Oh, you got to walk all the way down to the other end. There, you go down there. I think oh, I walk down there. I see some members of the staff walking their staff. Everybody's leaving. Brady comes out and is with his son, Jack. His son, Jack, is 12, 12, 13, and was a ball boy during training camp. And here's Brady getting into his car. His vehicle is parked inside the stadium. Now, the owners of the team, the Glaciers, park underneath. This is the first time that I have ever covered an NFL team. Going back to the days with the Giants and the Jets in the Meadowlands, the Denver Broncos for a little bit during the Elway stretch, uh, all the years here of the Buccaneers, I've never seen a player that parks inside, down near the locker, the lockers, the hallway, and boom. He should, because I bet he would be bombarded if he was outside, even in the players where the players park, because the fans are just going to, it's it's unbelievable. But there he was, getting in with his son. I'm like, that's kind of cool that his son, he was there with his son after a game, another win. Somebody was asking him, one of the words about his jersey or something, or can you do this or sign this? I mean, when you're that big of a celebrity, can you imagine? Yeah, it would be nice, right, to have all that money and live in a mansion and all that. It would be good. But you don't have your uh, privacy at all. Like, he can't just go walk around a mall. He can't just go to a field. He is going to be bombarded at all times, and he handles it pretty good. But uh, so anyway, oh, oh, and then, then, then and I walk down there, and then the, oh, there's a freight elevator, and I'm hitting the button. The freight elevator is not going. I'm like, ah, the heck with this. I'm going back out to my car. I get out to my car. There's still a line of cars. Now, it's not as bad. I'm like, ah, what the heck. I was talking to a reporter that went the week before to New England, the, that uh, Sunday night game, do you remember that? When Brady and the Belichick game, remember that two weeks ago? And the rain, it poured, it poured the whole game. And then after the game, it really was coming down, teeming. One of these reporters that went on that trip told me he got to, he got outside and it was 2 a.m. by the time they got everything done and filed their stories and all that stuff in the pouring rain. And it was bumper to bumper on at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough to get out of there. At 2 a.m., there were fans that still were hanging around in the pouring rain. Uh, it's just, it's, it's mind-boggling. Um, one thing that I did want to hit on, I'll I, I tell you what. Now, now, the baseball playoffs are going on. Everybody around the country mocks out Tropicana Field. It's I'll say this, living here this whole time and covering the Rays from the inception, from day one, I was at the Breakers Hotel in Palm Beach when it was announced, we knew it was happening, the, the Rays, Arizona, Diamondbacks, you know, we're coming to Major League Baseball. There we are. It was 970 WFL Ray. I was working at a radio station, WFLA. And uh, there was all this excitement and everything. We all thought baseball was going to be big and successful here 
We really did. It, on the field, it's incredible what they're doing with the small payroll, but it hasn't translated into the fans and where the stadium is located and this and that. But it just, the one thing that I, I, look, it's not as bad of a venue when you go there, especially all summer long, when it's a chance of rain and lightning every day and it's so hot and humid. Really, it's not that comfortable. Oh, I go to Florida State League games. It's great. No, you just want to stay there. You want to see some batting practice at five five thirty in brutalness with possibility of lightning. It's not. You got to have a dome. I'm sorry. It's. I don't like baseball indoors. There's something about baseball outdoors. But we're, this is Florida, you know. But what I think that it is ridiculous is this C-ring, D-ring. A ball, Major League Baseball, should not be played in a stadium where it's like a pinball machine. Is that Did it hit the C-ring? Is that ball in play? It's not in play. Was that going to be a home run? I think it was. Well, it hit the C-ring. It's, that's, it, this is the Major Leagues. It's, 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 I've always thought that. And I'm not going to defend that. Do you know the story on that? When they were building this thing and they built it, they built it to hopes that they would get Major League Baseball. Remember that? San Francisco Giants, the White Sox, they were going to come here all that time. They had this former player named Von Hayes go out and use what they call a fungo bat. It's how you can hit pop-ups and grounders a little bit better than a regular baseball bat. They call it a fungo bat. And he went and tried to hit the dome, the roof, and he couldn't. He didn't. And they just went off that. Oh, okay. So I guess no baseballs are ever going to be hit off here. That's what they went off of. And I can't defend that. When people around the country mock it out, and I just can't. And I don't think there's going to be a solution, and it's a shame. And I, I've been blue in the face talking about this, and that. and still to this day, it's like 15 years we've been we've been talking about this. Well, where's the best place? Is it anymore? Should it be over at the fairgrounds? Like that discussion will come up again on talk radio. And I remember. Years and years and years ago when, well, the lease is up in 2027 and 2027 sounded like it was so futuristic, like that would, oh my God, will I still be around in 2027? Who cares about that? That'll just, what? what? That's like lifetime. We're 2021, 2022, we're getting there. It's probably going to come right to the end of that thing. Oh, my God, with no solution. But anyway, it is good to see all these fans. And that's the other thing. The lines of fans, of Rays fans waiting to get in. Oh, my God. It just, why is that? You wait, and you had a team that was good. has been good. And has been in first place. You just wait for the playoffs, and then everybody wants to go. What is that? Is it to show on your Instagram that you're on the gram for the pictures that you're there? You know, I've seen people. I've seen some girls get out of their cars, a friend take a picture and boom, they leave. They do a little pose and they probably say that they were hanging at whoever place that they just took that picture for their social media. It's it's absurd. It, it really is crazy. But I guess it's just wanting to feel like you're at an event. 
it's the playoffs, so now we got to go. Now we're going to pack that dang, dang place. Whatever. But anyway, it's just a different life. I think my theme on this podcast is don't rush. If you're rushing to get somewhere, you're going to be late. Give yourself a little bit more time. You might have to fill out a form. You're going to a doctor's office. You have to wait a little bit longer. You got to spread out. You know, uh, I'm I'm the same way with you. I'm still trying to figure this dang thing out, you know? So, because uh, we got an event. It's a family thing planned with my daughter and family, and they're going to be flying in, and Emily set it up for November of 2022. We did that because we thought at the time, setting this up good six, eight months ago, oh, you know what? We'll be done with COVID by then. You know, the vaccine is out, and it's... Uh, this just could be the way of life. So, you know what I mean? We do our best, right? That's what I'm trying to do. Just try to do just try to do your best. Try to have some fun. Try to get out. Try to go for a walk. Try to do, try to do that, man. I got to do that more. Before I had my gallbladder operation, and even right before I was going to have the operation, I was walking, because it was during the pandemic, I was walking a lot with my wife, my daughter. We were doing these kind of bridge walks and stuff, and it was great. I think walking is very underrated. I really do. It's so good for you. It's good for your mind, your soul. It's good for your everything, and you're not pounding. I don't, I ain't running. I haven't run in a year. I haven't done any running. Forget about that. I can't do that. But uh, it's just good. And I got to, you know what? And I've gotten away from that. I do go to the gym for a little bit. Not long, half hour, sometimes 25 minutes or so in out. That helps. But I'm, I've gotten away from the walking, the cardio. Here we go again. It's funny. We were just talking about this with a couple of guys. Guy was on a, is it the keto, keto diet? Lost 28 pounds, felt great. And then it, 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 it did something else to him. And he, he, oh, he said he got the gout and he's a young guy. And uh, another guy I know, he was doing radio spots for this weight loss thing, and he was following it, and he lost a ton of weight. Oh, he's feeling good. And then after the the, the endorsement, they call it an endorsement, uh, ended, he started going back. You start going back to your old ways, and he ended up putting on more weight. And now he's looking to try. You can't diet. You know, diets don't work because my mother-in-law is a nutritionist. It's one or the other. It's nutritionist or dietitian. She went to school for it. You got to say the right, the right thing, but she studied it and she's got a good point. You can't deprive your body for things that you like. You can, you got to, it's a whole lifestyle change. Can you, cause if you're going to go and cut down on certain foods, can you do that the rest of your life? That's the way you got to look at it. If you're looking to lose weight, and you're like, okay, I got to lose weight. I got to do something about my eating. All right, I'm not going to have, wait, not going to have that that you like. Maybe just a little bit less of that. Or maybe drink a little bit more water. You know, try, but can you keep it up? You know? Like, I'm not giving up sweets. Try to do, try to worm my way around it a little bit. But whatever. Anyway, listen. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm, I'm, I'm not Mr. Religious Man Upstairs. I'm going to try to help you i'm going to send these vibes through to you right now try to enjoy the day don't let people bring you down man and that's they're going to bring you down for a little bit and then blow it off and then find something that makes you happy all right 
And with these protocols, give yourself a little bit of extra time. My thanks to Mike Neighbors. I'll talk to you next week. Subscribe if you haven't subscribed. Spread the word. Help me out here. And I'll try to help you out. All right. And if you're thriving in life, hit me up on social media and tell me how the heck you're doing it. What's your secret? All right. Let's have a great week. I'll talk to you next week on The Rock Stops Here. This is a Forking Around Town with Tracy Guida Quick Fix on Radio Influence. I'm really excited about today because I am going to be chatting all things tailgating with Jordan Tramble from the Tampa Bay Sports Commission. Tampa Bay Soviet Taste Fest is in its seventh year. We love this event. It is one of our favorite events. Um, every year we bring out about 12 to 16 different restaurants. Um, they participate in a food competition and a cook-off. There are three different categories that they can enter dishes into. That is meat dish, side dish, and dessert. Um, and then there's the judge's choice and people's choice. So if you come out, you will have um, the chance to participate in the judging, even as a spectator. We play college football games all day. The event is from 3 p.m. to 10.30. Um, so we'll play a total of four games. Throughout the day, um, we have a stage that is programmed with local bands. This year, we have Aubrey Willette, um, Oakley Band, Angie Ray, and No Filter performing. And then we invite all of our local franchises to come out. And so the event is not just about football anymore. The franchises all, all come out and bring activations like the Lightning Brings the Rolling Thunder, um, the Rays bring out their pitching inflatable. Gasparilla Bowl will sponsor our 16-team cornhole tournament. Um, the Bucks Cheer Squad always comes out. And it's just a great family fun day. Valspar Championship brings out their putting green. In 2019, actually, it flipped from college football to being a Rays watch party. And, you know, fingers crossed, we're in the playoffs again. You never know what could happen. Forking Around Town with Tracy Guida can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.